0: Chapter 11 of Around the World with the Children by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Dry Lands and Wetlands. In the world there are both dry lands and wetlands, and the ways people live often differ according to the dryness or moisture of the places in which they live. In some parts of the earth there is plenty of rain, in other parts there is but little and in some places there is hardly any rain at all. The parts that are well watered generally have grass, plants, and trees. In such places there is plenty of food, and there are many birds and animals and people. In the Philippines, there is so much rain that a large part of the lowland is covered with water during the wet season, which lasts for about half of the year. There are many rivers and streams, and the highlands, as well as the lowlands, are green. We found plenty of water in Japan and China, and there were many plants there. We found much rain in the hot country where Limwichi lives, and we remember how the high grass and tall trees covered the ground. We have enough rain in most parts of our own country, and, because of this, we raise some of the largest crops on the globe. It is not so in the desert where we are now going. A desert is a country in which there is but little rain or no rain at all. In those parts of the desert where there is no water, there can be only bare rocks and dry sand. No plants can grow there. In other parts of the desert where there is a little rain, we shall find scattering bunches of grass and hardy bushes. The tender grass that springs up after the showers is soon dried up by the sun. Where there are springs and wells in the desert, we shall find patches of trees and plants that grow as far out as the water will reach. A place in the desert where there are springs or wells with water all the year round is called an oasis. An oasis is sometimes so large that many people live in it. The Desert of Sahara The Desert of Sahara in northern Africa is almost as big as the whole United States. It is the largest desert in the world, although there are many other deserts. There is one great desert northwest of China in Asia. There is a narrow desert 2,000 miles long on the western shores of South America. Australia is more than half desert, but the biggest desert of all is the Sahara. Let us imagine that we are now far out in this desert of Sahara and in a place where there is a little rain during a part of the year. All about us is dry sand, but it is spotted here and there with small bunches of grass. Some of the bunches are not as large as a page of this book. Others are as big as a newspaper or bigger. The grass looks dry. It is coarse, but it makes good food for wild animals, as well as for sheep, goats, and horses. Besides the grass-eating animals, there are hyenas, jackals, and leopards in such parts of the desert, and now and then one may see a lion. Those great birds running along with outstretched wings are ostriches. Now we see some sheep and goats that are grazing. The flocks are watched by a dark-skinned man in a long white gown. Near him is a camel nibbling at a thorn bush. Its long, shaggy neck is stretched out as it bites off the leaves. It looks up and snarls as we pass. But see those two children running towards us? They have come from that low tent at the right. The man watching the sheep and goats is their father, and the tent is their home. These people live in the desert, moving about with their animals from place to place, find pasture. Now the children have come to us and we learn who they are. The boy's name is Hassan and the girl is his sister Hada. Hassan is a brave, fine-looking lad, tall and straight. He has a long white cloth wrapped around his head and a white cotton gown covers his body from his neck to his feet. He wears red leather shoes turned up at the toes. Hada has a bright red handkerchief tied about her head. Her gown is light blue It falls to her feet. The desert children make us welcome. Hassan bows low and says, Naharak Sa'id, which means, May thy day be happy. And Hadda says, Naharak Sa'id Umbarak, or May thy day be happy and blessed. That is their way of saying good morning. We bow low and say pleasant things in return, and then go with them to their home. The tent is made of camel's hair and wool, woven by Hada's mother. It is held up by poles, but the sides are so low that we have to stoop to go in. There is a curtain in the middle that divides the house into two rooms. Hada with her mother and her sisters sleep in one room, while the boys and men sleep in the other. There are no beds, tables, or chairs. These people sit and eat on the sand, and they sleep on rugs spread out on the ground. The cooking is done in pots and pans over fires made out of doors. After a while, the father drives up the sheep, goats, and camels. He first puts the goats and sheep into a little pen fenced around with stones. He then ties up one of the front legs of each camel so that it has to hobble about on three legs and cannot stray far away. By this time, dinner is ready and we sit down on the sand. The meal consists of a mutton stew, a roast kid, some dried figs, and fresh dates, and kibby. The kibi is something like mince pie and plum pudding and hash all mixed together and roasted into a cake. We have also thin round cakes as big as dinner plates and fresh cheese made of goat's milk. The stew is laid before us and Hassan bows low and says, Tefudulu, this means help yourself. We look about for plates, knives and forks. We do not see any, so we ask how we shall eat. Hassan's father shows us. He first breaks off a piece of his thin cake and doubles it up so that it makes a kind of three-cornered spoon. With this, he dips some meat and gravy out of the stew and then eats the spoon and meat all at one time. We try to do likewise, but do not succeed very well, and they give us a big wooden spoon for our use. By and by, the roast kit is brought in. It steams as it lies whole on the platter. We use our pocket knives to cut it, each taking the piece he likes best. We end the meal with candy, dried figs, and new dates, and a cup of sweet coffee as black as our shoes. After dinner, we cleanse our hands by rubbing them with dry sand, for water is scarce. We then stroll about and talk with our friends until night. It has been warm during the day, but now that the sun has gone down, it is cool. We go into the tent and lie down on the soft rugs and are soon dreaming of home. An Oasis We are in an oasis this morning. Hassan's father has driven his flocks here in order to trade. He has brought his tent and several great bags of wool along upon camels. He will sell the wool and also some of his sheep and goats, and he will buy dates and other goods to carry back with him into the desert. We have helped the desert children in driving the flocks. We now help unload the camels and put up our tent near this island of green in the great sea of sand. The oasis is watered by many little camels, fed by springs. It contains hundreds of date palms, and their fan-like green leaves seem to whisper a welcome to us. The oasis is divided into little fields, in which are grass and wheat and sugarcane. There are also onions and turnips, peas and beans, and many beautiful flowers. Under the palms are trees loaded with oranges and lemons, and also some with pears, peaches, and figs. You can buy all the fresh dates you can eat for two or three cents. Dates are the most important fruit of the desert. They grow on the date palm, a tall and beautiful tree. The dates grow in bunches so big that it would take two strong boys to carry one bunch from the tree to our tent. The fruit is plump and it is red or yellow in color. Ripe dates are as sweet as honey and they almost melt in one's mouth. Green dates are like green persimmons. They pucker the mouth and are not good at all dates when dried can be kept a very long time without spoiling they are eaten by the people and by the camels and even by the dogs many of them are packed up and sent to the united states and other countries for sale there is a little town in the oasis with a thick mud wall around it inside the wall are small houses built of mud bricks dried in the sun there is so little rain that the bricks do not have to be burned The houses have flat roofs made of palm branches covered with mud, and their rude doors are of palm wood. The date palm is used to make boards, beams, and framework of all kinds. The houses have no windows facing the street. Each house is built around a small yard or court, and the rooms open on that. The women and girls live at the back of the house, while the men have their rooms at the front. The people usually sit cross-legged upon the floor, or upon a ledge built out from the walls of the room. This ledge is also the place where they sleep. The Trade of the Desert We walk slowly through the narrow streets of the town and soon come to an open place in the center, surrounded by many small stores. There are camels kneeling on the ground, and dark-skinned men, dressed in white, are loading them with dates, wool, and hides to be taken across the desert for sale. The camels whine and bellow as the bales are put on their backs. We can see the tears running down their cheeks. They are surly animals and they always cry when they are being loaded. We ask one of the men to tell us about camels. He says that they are the only animals that can be used for a long journey over the dry sand where there is but little food and no water. A camel can go four or five days without drinking. Also, the hump on his back has so much fat in it That it will keep him alive for a long time even if he has nothing to eat. It is for this reason that camels are used to carry all the goods of the desert. They take dates, wool, and hides to the seacoast to be shipped to America and bring back the cotton cloth, kerosene oil, and other things that have been sent here from our country. We see long lines of these freight camels marching slowly over the sand. There are different kinds of camels. The freight camel is slow, but it will carry a load of four or five hundred pounds. The riding camel is fast, and it can run a long time without tiring. We ask for a ride on the fastest camels. The men make the great beasts kneel down, and we climb on their backs. They rise on their hind feet first and almost throw us over their heads. Then they get up in front and start off on a trot. We sway from side to side as if we were on a ship. The motion makes us seasick at first, but a little later we grow used to it and enjoy riding along so high in the air. The Oasis Children at School. The children of the Oasis are quite as friendly as Hassan and Hada, and we all enjoy playing together. They let us ride about on their donkeys, and we go to the date trees to help them gather the fruit. The children take us to their school. The pupils learn but little more than to read and write and to do easy sums. They all sit on the floor and study out loud. Instead of slates, they have tablets of tin and wood, and they use brushes and ink in writing their letters. After the school is over, we join with them in their games. They have many games, and some are great fun. They play Leapfrog, Puss in the Corner, Blind Man's Buff, and Jura, which is shooting marbles into a hole in the sand. They have one game called The Tide Monkey. In this, a boy acts as the monkey, He holds fast to a rope tied to a peg in the ground, and the other boys try to beat him with knots made in the cloths they wear around their heads. As they do so, the monkey tries to catch them. And if he can get hold of a boy without letting go of the rope, that boy must be the monkey and hold the rope and be beaten. Another game has the name of tia Ya tia In this, all the boys but one stand in a row. The other boy faces them and shouts tia Ya tia Tia ya tia he then hops on one foot as if lame the rest of the boys run after him and hit him he tries to catch one of them and if he can do so without putting his foot down the boy who is caught has to be it and take his place end of chapter 11